DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for our listeners. Listen to this. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. DraftKings is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know that you will too. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a single medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat. In one of the most fun weeks that we can have as a hockey podcast, it is the start of NHL free agency. A lot of stuff is happening as we are recording this in the middle of free agency day. Yes, it is a very bold strategy, Cotton, but we believe that we'll be doing all right with our timing here. There's been a couple of signings so far, a couple for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a lot league-wide, and we'll dive into a lot of it. But Horwat, what has been the biggest surprise to you so far for free agent signings? Well, there haven't been too many. I will say, as you were playing the intro to this, uh, the Minnesota Wild PR put out a tweet that the Minnesota Wild have agreed to terms with forward Frederick Goudreau for two years, $2.4 million for a $1.2 million AAV for for Freddie. For Freddie! Our, friend, our Goudreau, man. Hmm. Well, there goes that one, I guess. Uh, I, w- I was going to have some not big, long spiel about things, but that one kind of took me off guard, and I was going to mention uh, some of the other signings, like Holtby to Dallas, uh, Su- uh, Suter also to Dallas, and you know, there's been a bunch of deals. I think so far my favorite, though, has been Martin Jones to Philadelphia. <laughs> Your, that's so that's exciting your favorite goaltender for the penguins to face is now on the team that you're gonna love watching him play for the most uh, especially if carter hart continues his awful play and they have to play martin jones it'll be awesome stuff yeah the philadelphia flyers have had an interesting offseason that's for sure I, I think the one thing that stands out to me is the fact that carolina had three pretty solid options in net with alex nadelkovich who's coming off a year where he was a calder finalist you had Peter Morazic, who has been pretty good for that organization the past couple of seasons, leading them to the playoffs, leading them in part to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of seasons ago. You had James Reimer, who's a very reliable backup, and they just said, you know what? All three of them can leave. <laughs> and they just instead brought in Antti Ranta and Frederick Anderson and just kind of completely just sold house on their goaltending. Yeah. I, could, I was very surprised about that. I thought that they would lose one. 
And I thought, honestly, I never would have thought them not re-signing Nedeljkovic. So I expected them to lose one, not all three, and not completely sign two different ones. Right. I, I've, and I've told you already, I can defend the not wanting to re-sign Nedeljkovic thing because I say it all on here all the time. Mm-hmm. Goaltenders that you know usually play under 30 games in their career, they get off to a hot start. They look good. Things look good. And then the wheels just fall off mm-hmm. completely. I tweeted out a couple of examples, which are the popular ones that I can't, that I always say on here, with Victor Fast and Andy Hammond. Someone mentioned Scott Darling, which I totally forgot about. That was a big one. Yeah. So this thing happens. I can't say I totally blame them, but then you kind of realize that the price wasn't that high. Um, it kind, yeah, I don't know. I can't totally blame them, but the price wasn't super high, and maybe you just had an idea that you were in talks with you know clearing out your entire goaltending tandem Mm -hmm. group i guess i should say and bringing in two new guys who freddie anderson is solid but is freddie freddie anderson so who knows it matters whether or not toronto ran the wheels off of him completely that's that's the question yeah, and then there's Antti Ranta, who has he even like really played at all in the last few years? That's a he's name he's had a lot of injuries heard. with yeah. Arizona. But when he's played, he's been pretty good. So if he can stay healthy, I think that means that they did pretty good. But if he doesn't stay healthy, then it's just the same story with Antti Ranta as it's been the last couple of seasons. But we have a lot to talk about with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, we are going to dive into the Mark Andre Fleury situation because even though yes. it does not directly relate to the Pittsburgh Penguins, anytime Fleury's name is brought up. We specifically, a lot of Penguins Twitter and a lot of Penguins podcasts, but definitely us specifically, like to talk about it because he is a, an all-time Pittsburgh Penguin. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Penguins signings. We'll talk about some possible targets that could still be available for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Some Mike Sullivan. And then we also have our interview with Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Second time he was able to join us for the show. We talk about a lot of things. NHL draft. We talk about the flurry situation with him as well and some of what the Penguins need to do going forward in this offseason. But let's start off with free agency day because that is what day it is today. And we've seen two moves by the Pittsburgh Penguins, the first of which Evan Rodriguez signed on his birthday for one year, $1 million. He basically signed the same contract as he did last year to come back to Pittsburgh. So Horwat, what were your thoughts on this? I, I looked at it as it's very low cost, could be pretty decent reward. He could be a very good depth piece for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's what he really has been ever since he got here. So, at first, I'm genuinely thinking of, hey, it's just another kind of guy. He's the the low-level replacement player. He fills in when he needs to. But now, you add in this new speed bump of Frederick Goudreau leaving, all of a sudden, you're looking at him being the fourth-line center to start the season because Malkin's not going to be around. Jeff Carter's going to have to be the two. McCann's gone. Uh... You're not going to switch around Gensel and Russ to have one of them play center. Mm-hmm. And you got to have Bluger play three, and then who's your four? Yeah. Well, now it's Evan Rodriguez. So things are going to look a little stiff at the beginning of the season, I guess. We have some filling in to do. And, yeah, Zach Aston Reese is still here, but he's a winger. And He's also yet to sign his qualifying offer. Yeah, that's kind of what I was flipping through. Who's the other? Uh, Radim Zahorna also got a qualifying offer. That's right. He got to sign it. Yeah, so we're a little thin at center now, especially with Goudreau uh, leaving. Not that he was a full-time center anyway, but um, he would have at least been able to help the beginning of the season. But now, I 
like I said, to start the year off, we're sitting Crosby, Carter, Bluger, Rodriguez, Sam Lafferty. Oh, oh, that's ugly. At least Mark Jankowski's name's not in there. Yeah, that's that's very true. But so I'm assuming more signings will have to be made. I think uh, we'll hear in our inter- you'll hear in our interview with Mark Jesse Marshall that uh, it doesn't all have to happen a today or b through free agency. Trades are still going to be made. Uh, this isn't all over, but as for Evan Rodriguez, you know, like I said, at first I did think of it just as a, hey, you know, good, solid player, good, low, cheap number. Um, it may be a little replacement level, but uh, he's going to get playing time, and he's been useful for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Freddie Goudreau. He did sign with the Minnesota Wild, a two-year contract worth $2.4 million or a $1.2 million average annual value. That makes me a little curious as to whether or not Freddie Goudreau, one, wanted to come back to Pittsburgh, or yeah. two, whether or not he was extended the opportunity to come back to Pittsburgh because only $200,000 more than what the Penguins signed Evan Rodriguez for. I get that Mike Sullivan is a big fan of Erod, but you would have to think looking at the performance of Goudreau versus the performance of Rodriguez, if you could have had Goudreau, I would think that you would at least have extended that offer, but also... It might be the second year. I'm not sure what Ron Hextall is thinking as far as beyond this season. So he might have only been looking for depth pieces to sign for a year. The other thing, too, is free agency is a day where you can't blame guys if they're going to if they're gonna take the money selection. Mm-hmm. You can't. Um, who knows? Maybe we just weren't offering Freddie Goodrell $1.2 million if we were offering anything at all. Yeah, that's true. It's... Yeah, I get you want to go to the team that's going to win. I get it. But at the same time, winning at Stanley Cups aren't guaranteed. That $1.2 million per year is. Mm -hmm. Whereas we may have been trying to shoot him for league man, which is what he was getting last year, right? Yes. Yeah, so maybe we just weren't offering him that money. Uh, So in this situation, you go to Minnesota, who has a good chance of winning. They're a good young team now. Has Kaprizov officially signed yet? No, Kaprizov and Fiala are still yet to be signed. Well, they should be a good team. They managed to keep Kakinen in the in the uh, expansion draft, so things should happen in Minnesota. They looked really good, looked really promising last year, uh, and that's a team he can contribute to depth wise. So it's a good pickup for them. And like I said, it's not like he's going to a team that sucks because that he's going to make more money. He's going to a solid team and probably got a better contract. He's not going to Juju Smith-Schuster his way out of this one where he wanted to stay with the hometown because, you know, he wanted to stay with the hometown despite being offered more money and a better chance to win in Kansas City. It's Frederick Goudreau. It, again, we loved him. We we all did. He did great things, but I, I think we all knew he wasn't going to be here until he retired, right? Yeah, that's very just true. Wasn't, just wasn't expecting it this quickly. Yeah. We talk about... Tampa Bay losing their third line. The Pittsburgh Penguins' third line from last year's postseason is now down to just Jeff Carter, who will probably be in his final year of his career as well. So definitely a lot of moves still to be made. And shortly after Evan Rodriguez signed, we had the signing of the day. The Pittsburgh Penguins bring back Sir Dominic Simone on a one-year deal, two-way deal especially. That's a big caveat in that is that it is a two-way deal. For league minimum at $750,000. Horwat, are you excited that the prodigal son has returned? <laughs> um, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
I guess. I genuinely am not sure. Uh, I I will also leave this one off for everyone to listen to the interview because yeah. uh, Jesse Marshall gave great answers to that. Dom Simone, the fact that it's two-way, I will agree there. The fact that it's two-way is really good. You, you can just send them to Helm and just move on. Um, I wanted to ask, and I totally forgot, uh, does Dominic Simone play on the first line this year? No, I, I don't I don't <laughs> think he does. I, I mean, Mike Sullivan has done that before, and listen, Evan Rodriguez is also a guy that has spent time on the first line, kind of not deservingly, but he has. And, and both of these guys are guys that I'm sure we'll see move around the lineup pretty consistently, but Dom Simone coming off of the shoulder surgery that he had last year when he was still a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins and only playing 11 games last season for the Calgary Flames, I don't see him as a guy that the Penguins look at as a fixture in the lineup anymore. I mean, he was that when he left Pittsburgh. He was a guy that the Penguins kept in the lineup above other players that might have deserved it a little bit more. I don't think they see him as that, especially not the front office right now with Hextall and Burke. I'm sure somebody like Patrick Alvin had a lot of nice things to say about Dom Simone, and that's a reason that he was on the radar and he was brought back. And obviously, Sidney Crosby loves him as well. If he can do what he did for the Penguins when he was here, he's he's a better fourth liner than Sam Lafferty in that instance. I mean, we, Dom Simone, we say he, he can't really score goals, but we do remember Sam Lafferty had zero goals. So it is an upgrade on the fourth line, if that indeed is the case. So like you said, there, we talk a lot more about it in the Jesse interview, so I don't want to dive too deeply into it. But I'm not upset at these two moves being the moves that Ron Hextall has made up to this point where it's right now about 1.30 on trade dead or not trade deadline day on free agency day on Wednesday. And it's just depth pieces. We know he's going to be looking at the trade market. And right now he's just filling out his 12th and 13th forward spots. Yeah. And you mentioned the time we're recording this at 1.30 on free agency day. Uh, I think whenever we got on, I was expecting maybe we'd be able to discuss a signing or two while we're sitting here and just kind of have to throw off our thing but we had just talked about freddie goudreau leaving and now we can also talk about maxim legasse leaving oh did, who signed, did he sign with signed a deal with the with the back-to-back stanley cup champion uh tampa bay lightning oh well, one year two-way actually they signed a big group of people to a one-year two-way and legasse was the goaltender mentioned interesting well i mean <laughs> The Pittsburgh Penguins are going to need to fill out their minor Shit. league goaltending system as well because losing Larmy, losing, now losing Maxime Lagasse, and still looking to trade one of Jari or DeSmith, theoretically. Yeah, they're, they're going to need to be making some signings there for especially the AHL oh boy. first grand Penguins. Oh, Alex DeOrio all of a sudden is that Will Smith meme. <laughs> Damn. All right, I have a tweet to make. You go ahead and continue talking. <laughs> so let's move on to some names that we think the Penguins should possibly target or names that have been brought up as possible targets for the Pittsburgh Penguins. One that we asked Jesse Marshall about, and he kind of shot the idea down. I don't want to say that, but he kind of made a case for why this player is not going to be in Pittsburgh, and that's Pittsburgh boy Brandon Saad. I mean, obviously, he's the mainstream name he has been for several years. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned him on the podcast a couple times leading up to free agency. He's still on the market, but again, with how much cap space the Pittsburgh Penguins have, which how, with how much they're leading towards the trade market, I'm not sure they're going to bring in a guy like Brandon Saad. The other name I have on my list here is Thomas Tatar because our friend 
from the Locked On Penguins podcast, Hunter Hodes, has been campaigning for that ever since the NHL season ended, and rightfully so. So if you want to know why he thinks the Penguins should go after Thomas Tatar, I don't want to take any of his ideas. I personally just want to say that I wouldn't mind it. He's 30 years old, so you don't want to sign him to a long contract. But apart from last season with 10 goals, he's basically been able to bank 20 goals every year the last six years. So I wouldn't mind an addition like Thomas Tatar. And if you want further ideas or reasons as to why, I do tell you to go over and listen to the Locked on Penguins podcast. It's a great show. But uh, other than that, Horwat, who do you think, if anyone, should the Penguins be targeting in free agency still? I'm not even sure. It's very hard to pin down because ideally you, you think, who are the top guys still left? Dougie Hamilton hasn't signed. Just target him, right? Uh, Dougie can't. Hamilton did sign, I think, with the Devils. Oh, did that finally happen? Yeah, I think it was eight years, $7.5 million or something like that. I'll double-check that while you're uh, talking. Yeah. Um, but then other guys, like it looks like signs are pointing that Grubauer is about to sign with Seattle. That's another new one. No. Uh, Kevin what? Weeks, literally two minutes ago. Signs pointing to mm-hmm. Seattle Kraken, making some tra- some traction on Grubauer. So. Wow. Like I said, we were going to get signings while we were recording here, so who knows? It's just hard. I also don't have the list of who's still available in front of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cap uh, Friendly does a pretty good job on, on go. free agent day of keeping that updated. Uh, I mean, I'm just flipping through the names. I like the Brandon Saad idea. I do. It might not be the, the, the greatest idea. Mm-hmm. Jesse Marshall will get into it. Yeah. We, literally everything we're talking about now, we talked about in the interview, but it's... You know, with a with a more in bigger depth. brain, yeah. <laughs> yeah, more in depth, and with a bigger brain than ours. Um, James Neal getting bought out is interesting. I'm not saying to sign him. I'm saying that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just flipping through names. Uh, Nick Foligno's got a bunch of interest from a t- ton of people. I would imagine he goes to Minnesota to play with his brother. Yeah, Ian Cole. I when we had Michelle Crecchiolo on, she brought up that Ian Cole story, and I remembered reading something i forget who said it or tweeted it or put it in the story they said ian cole should not be off of this team correct and it was the year 2020 saying that that was the wildest thing to me i'd figured even by then maybe he'd have moved on uh but now here he is 32 as a free agent he's probably gonna look for too much money that would be a good situation for me i would think Mm -hmm. just because um the fans loved him the team that was here at the time fit him perfectly uh and who knows what he's got left in the tank exactly, mm-hmm. but he would be a fun guy to bring back if possible. Yeah. Um, other than that, a realistic option, I genuinely am not sure, just because this day is always so weird. Yeah, you have to keep track of things because there's names that you have going into the day, and by not even 12 o'clock, which is the start of it, there's at least four or five that are taken off of your list. Uh, I do have the actual numbers on Dougie Hamilton. He did sign, made a deal with the Devils, seven years million AAV. So big deal for Dougie Hamilton into the Metropolitan Division. And once again, the New Jersey Devils are trying to become the MVPs of the offseason. And you know what? They might do a good job of it. Um, They were were a promising team last year before the season. Things got off a little cold. And then they kept having... Yeah, COVID did kill them. But then they had moments Mm -hmm. of, hey, this team and these specific players can do something. So... They're always interesting, an interesting team to watch, and they just brought in a goalie, didn't they? They brought in a backup goaltender. I can't remember which one signed there. I think it might have been James Reimer. James Reimer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. To so backup Mackenzie Blackwood. So yeah, so they're shoring up a goalie situation, and they just need Blackwood to um, progress the way he's supposed to. Yeah. 
let's move on from the free agency right now to a move that happened on Tuesday, just prior to free agency opening up. Marc-Andre Fleury, former Pittsburgh Penguin and now former Vegas Golden Knight, was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks, unbeknownst to him, until he saw it on Twitter. It was a very weird saga, mainly because, first of all, you're going to trade a Vez and a winner. I know Fleury has kind of been on trade talks for a couple of years now because Vegas has put themselves in a cap situation that has been very hard for them to maneuver. The entire $7 million of Fleury's contract is taken by Chicago. He was traded for basically nothing. He was traded for an AHL guy that is not really a high prospect for from Chicago. So it seems like obviously a cap dump for the Vegas Golden Knights and for Chicago if Fleury wants to play there because that is another big story that came out is Marc-Andre Fleury might just decide to retire instead of playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. But if Fleury decides to play there, obviously it's good for Chicago. They finally get a goaltender back since the days of healthy Corey Crawford. But right now it's just such a weird instance where he could retire. He could just decide, hey, I want to play for Chicago. It's fine. Or he could demand a trade and Chicago could be trying to trade him. So Horwat, what is your take on that entire situation? Because it was a very, very fluid story throughout the entire day on Tuesday. So I was very confused. Like I, at first I saw it happen, but then I got very confused about it. And I just had questions myself, but overall I'm thinking, um, that's not the way Vegas should have handled this whole situation. I get you're in cap hell and I get you have confidence in Robin Leonard, but you botched the situation by a not getting even the slimmest bit of return. The first tweet I saw was they're trading him for nothing, mm -hmm. literally nothing. Um, and then a prospect got added in, so you got something, I guess. Uh, but other than that, it was the whole deal of, well, you, he said he wants to retire there. He's got a year left? He has one year left on his contract, yes. Okay, so he's got a year left. He's 36. He just won a Vesna, And I don't know. That's A Vesna winner is not a guy you trade away. Uh, yeah, but... It's a weird situation with Vegas because they also have Robin Leonard there that clearly the head coach and clearly the general manager favor instead of Marc-Andre Fleury. The owner loved Marc-Andre Fleury and is why he wanted to stay there partially also because he had his family, had set down roots with his three kids there. So it's a very interesting situation in that that front office is sort of divided on the most important position on the ice and it ended with Marc-Andre Fleury being traded now they did say I did see a report later in the day that they did tell Marc-Andre Fleury about it they did give him a call but it was so much further down the road from when the trade call was made the trade call was made to make this a little bit more simple the trade call was made after it broke on Twitter a while yeah. after it broke on Twitter so yeah. he didn't even know he was on the move and it wasn't official but he knew because of Twitter. They didn't give him a heads up that he was going to be on the move to Chicago. And Vegas has a history of doing this to yeah. players. This is not the first instance where a player found out they were traded not through the team mm -hmm. or through the team in weird ways. I mean, this also goes to coaching staffs whenever they fired what's-his-name. Gerard Gallant. Yeah. Or, is that the right? Right? Vegas fired Gerard Gallant and yeah. hired Pete DeBoer. 
And okay, oh, I was trying to remember the taxi situation. No, that was Florida that fired Gerard Gallant. Same player, same coach, different team. That's why I'm getting it confused. Okay. Yeah. Um, but just that's not a way to do it. I, I it, literally anything would have been better than scrolling Twitter and finding out you got traded. Literally, a text. Hey, don't just hope you know you're getting traded. People are trying to say that you know Alan Walsh leaked it out. Who cares? Again. The Alan trade Walsh had quote tweeted an actual yeah. source saying yeah, that he got traded. That's what I'm getting. At. I'm like, who cares who tweeted out? Regardless, then make it a group message. Hey, Alan. Hey, Mark. I tr- I'm trading you. <laughs> like something small. It doesn't have to be that much. And the fact that they have a history of doing this. Also, what I was confused about. My big question was, how could this trade happen if? He, he has to agree to it, right? With his modified no-trade clause, he has to give a list of 10 teams that he doesn't want to go to. Chicago was not on that list. So he did not have to approve the trade to Chicago because it was not on his 10-team no-trade list. So I, I had it a little backwards in my head then. Okay, got that situated. So now it really is just up to him reporting or not. And honestly... Uh, with all of the nonsense that's and that's a very light way of putting it mm-hmm. that is happening with that organization right now he has every right to just say no and move on because um, if a player has that decision making ability to or to not play in Chicago right now I mean that's what the organization deserves it's just a big fat no I'm not doing that mm-hmm. I get Seth Jones signed there for Big term, long money. Uh, good lord. If I'm a goaltender, I don't want to play there simply because of that reason, let alone all the underlying reasons. You're telling me I got to play behind overpaid Seth Jones? No thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's brutal. And you feel bad for uh, Flurry because his decisions are play for the shit organization for a team that might get better. I mean, they're trying to really scrub themselves clean by adding good players. Seth Jones, Mark Andre Fleury, Tyler Johnson, but the backing, the backing franchise stuff is not good. And then, yeah, it's it sucks for him. It's either his decision is either play there or retire yep. because the Penguins apparently don't have any involvement anymore. Sucks. Yeah, Matt Bensel, hey. friend of the show, did tweet out that the Penguins have backed off of that discussion. Yeah, which sucks, but. Like, we wouldn't fit it. We just couldn't, you know? Not without we could some maybe weird make... cap manipulation, yeah. laundering of money. Yeah, which, but. it sucks. So it's Those are his decisions. And uh, Sean Gentilly did an interview with the fan uh, Tuesday, mm-hmm. the day that it was all happening, I guess I should say, and said that it's more likely that he retires or plays in Pittsburgh, one of the two, then he actually plays in Chicago. So take that for what you will, and I guess we just wait and see how this unfolds. Yeah, definitely. And like we mentioned, we're going to talk about it a little bit more with Jesse Marshall, who's going to join the show here in in just a couple minutes. And before we get into our next piece of information, Ian Cole has signed with the Carolina Hurricanes, one year, $2.9 million, the Magic of free agency day where something is outdated before we even finish recording. But it's nice that it came out while we were recording and we can just yeah. quickly make that adjustment. But 
The last thing we want to talk about before we send it over to Jesse Marshall, congratulations to head coach Mike Sullivan, named to Team USA as the head coach for the 2022 Olympic Games. Now, you tweeted that, well, this means that there's going to be NHL participation, right? Right? And and even Mike Sullivan said, well, I'm operating as if there is, because I have to. But if there's not, does this mean either he's going to step down or he's just going to leave the Penguins for a couple weeks? Oh, wait, but they still have that break in the schedule. It's during that break. So that's kind of what made this all confusing because there is that break in there. Yeah. So it's not like – so basically he can't get picked to an all-star – to coach the all-star game is all that means. And I don't yeah. think any of us are worried about that. No, no one cares about that. Um, so regardless, I, I, I just don't know how it works. Like he's an NHL coach. Does it mean that, let's say, the NHL players don't go? Does it mean they have to quickly – get a new coach because it's an nhl thing Mm -hmm. or is he staying regardless i genuinely don't know how it all works yeah uh but my first inkling of a thought whenever i saw it was uh you know hey mike sullivan's gonna be the coach and does that mean nhl players are following suit yeah you have to believe it's trending in that direction and You'd hope. people are hoping that it does get done. And I think the fact that the NHL was able to make concessions in the scheduling means that it probably will. It just might take a little bit of time. But here's a good tweet from Rob Rossi, who posted this right after the news broke that Mike Sullivan would be coaching the 2022 Olympic team. The Penguins' influence leading USA Hockey at the Olympics is extensive. In 2002, Craig Patrick was the general manager, Herb Brooks the coach. In 2014, Dan Bilesma coached Team USA with Ray Shiro as assistant GM. And now in 2022, Mike Sullivan will be the head coach with Minnesota Wild GM and former Pittsburgh Penguin Bill Guerin operating as the assistant general manager for Team USA. So a lot of Penguins fingerprints on USA Hockey, Mike Sullivan, and now even Bill Guerin as well, both added to the list here going into 2022. So good for those guys. I'm very excited to see... Hopefully, NHL players go, which means I've seen a lot of people say Mike Sullivan being the coach means that we're finally going to get a fun Team USA, and we're not going to put any random stupid decisions, sort of like not having Phil Kessel on the 2014 team. But it's nice to know that the last two teams coached in the Olympics that are NHL players are both coached by Pittsburgh Penguins coaches. Okay, but... We don't talk about that one. Yeah, we don't really talk like to talk about 2014 because it kind of went downhill after that. Yeah, it did. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we have our interview with Jesse Marshall. It's a really good one, so you're going to want to have to stick around. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team, in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Joining us right now is a very special guest. We welcome back for his second appearance on the show, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic, as well as the Dying Alive podcast. How's it going, Jesse? Doing well, gentlemen. Busy day. Good to see you. Exciting, see you. exciting day to be a hockey fan. Oh, most definitely. From the second you wake up today, because clearly we weren't going to wait till noon until 
the second we go to bed today, there's going to be a lot going on. Yeah, we decided to record this <laughs> Perfect during, time, though, literally. at 12.30 p.m. Uh, of free agency day. We're literally 30 minutes in, and all of the news is flying out in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, since the last time we actually talked, Jesse, a lot has changed for you in your personal life. So I do want to ask you, first of all, congratulations. I don't know if I, I've been able to tell you it in person, congratulations. But also, how has fatherhood been treating you the first couple months here? Uh, it's awesome. I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh you know, it's not <laughs> it's challenges like, you know, sleep, for instance. But I mean, we're kind of blessed, you know, like she's she's really awesome. So um, not really doesn't really seem to like hockey. So like good for her, you know, like you got to forge your own path in this world. You can't you know, it's not about what I like. So um, I think she might be a swimmer, you know, big, big time fan of watching Olympic swimming. So you never know. I mean, I have like a future Katie Ledecky situation on our hands. There you go. It's a hell of a time to sit them in front of a TV and just watch all of the weird sports. Like, <laughs> watch. Like, yeah. yeah. You'll have to get her into curling when the Winter Olympics come around. Oh, that's a given. Yeah. That's 100% yeah. a given. I mean, I was at Permanis yesterday watching uh, ping pong. So, so yeah. I'll tell you what. Fun. <laughs> you know, here's a fun exercise if you're ever bored. Um, and I'm not saying like to actually bet on it, but look at some of the money lines for ping pong internationally. Like, it's crazy. Like, you'll see some people at, like, plus 2,000 on the money line. It's just the wildest thing I've ever seen. Like, if you, you know, if you're into sports gambling, don't bet the money line when it's plus 2,000. But, you know, just literally sit back and watch it and enjoy it from afar. It really is just your really good at, uh, ping pong uncle against you as a kid at the, uh, at the family get-together. And that's just what it is out there betting on. Uh, but moving off the weird sports into the stuff we're here to really talk about. Uh, the Penguins and hockey in general, but starting with the Seattle Kraken just took, you know, one former Penguin, one former Leaf, but also a former Penguin. Um, how do the Penguins go about filling the holes that were left by Tanev and McCann? Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> Evan Rodriguez and Dominic Simone, no. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I think, like, so, you know, Ron Hextall, like, probably one of the most, like, transparent perhaps maybe the only transparent moment I think you really had from him over the last month is when he said that he left the door open, you know, for Philip Hollander, I think. Um, no, not, and I want to be clear because it's not like a, a quite a, a Jared McCann or a Brandon Tanev um, in style or nature, uh, but I think he has elements of his game that, you know, lend themselves to him being able to play in the bottom six in the National Hockey League right now without any adjustment to North America. And like, I, I keep hearing that from some people, like oh, he's got to take time to get used to the smaller rank. Disagree. Don't think he does. Won't be a problem for him. Um, I think that he, you know, if you watch the tape, he rarely used that extra space. You know, he was playing inside the hash pretty much the whole time. So with that in mind, like I, I really don't see there being this massive adjustment for him. I think that he took the time uh, off uh, while hurt um, to develop an, an elite shot, which is a bonus to his game that didn't exist when he was drafted by Pittsburgh initially. Uh, I think I think it's it's not a long shot for me. I think it's more of like at this point, guys. I would say like if if he doesn't get in, it's be, we should probably feel disappointed by that and probably question his status as a prospect because I think the door is that open. Um, and I think the hmm. sort of uh, pathway is laid for him. 
Uh, I know other people ask about like Poland and, and Leg RE, but I think they need a little bit more extra time. Um, I don't think they're quite ripe yet, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, for that that's probably one direction we go. The other question is is like there is there a, is there a hockey trade out there to be made? You know, I, Marcus Pedersen, Jason Zucker. You know, these are players that um, you know have you know potential I think to be moved and potentially recoup. Uh, filled out pieces elsewhere along the roster. So uh, I know that there's, I don't want to say panic through the first 38 minutes of free agency. I had someone, I did have someone tweet me seven minutes in to tell me that it was an F for Ron Hextall, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> and like, what if you had taken your SATs and someone had ripped the test out of your hand while you were writing your name on it? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that score is probably not representative of your actual mental skills. Uh, so I, I, I think that, that, that but here's the, what I reason I say that is because like the environment that Ron Hextall is in is one that I think is like a long game, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I, I've seen deals like the anti-ranta deal at 2 million. You say like, oh man, like the, that one had Pittsburgh written all over it. He may be working on something else, you know, mm -hmm. um, what's going on with Darcy Kemper. You know, I think that's where Pittsburgh's attention probably likely is. And that's not a deal that has to get done today, you know, um, I, so have a bit of patience. I think some of this moves that are going to be made are going to have to come, you know, potentially from moving an actual roster piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have seen somebody tweet that Ron Hextall is the worst thing that happened to the Penguins organization in the last 30 <laughs> minutes, which made me chuckle a little bit. But as you mentioned, Hextall kind of has been looking at the trade market and it's kind of tipped his hand that he's looking at the trade market to replace a goaltender. And you mentioned the fact that Pedersen might be on the move. We've seen Marino's not in quite as good standing with this front office as he was with the Rutherford front office. So it seems like the trade market is where the answer at goalie is going to come from. Who at this point do you see as the lead candidates for Pittsburgh? You mentioned Kemper. Is there any other names you think that could be out there for Hextall and company? Uh, Linus Allmark still one um, that I think is a potential possibility that uh, could be could get done if the price is right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm sorry. <sighs> no, it's such a bummer. Um, I think that the, you know, the interest in that is largely player-driven. Um, you know, I think that that's what he wants to do, but I don't think that that means that it's A, feasible, um, you know, or B, something that the Penguins have as their number one target right now. And th that's also not something that needs to get done right away. You know, if, if, if Ron Hextall were to wait, and options A, B, and C fell through, like then you can work on laundering money through Buffalo or something, you know, to, you know, make the cap functionality work. Um, but I, I still think that you're looking in that. I, I wasn't expecting the Penguins to be in like on Mrazic, um, where I think the bidding wars kind of like put them in a position where it's out of their range. Um, I still think the Kempers the, the, is the is the one that you know. Again, like they have the pieces to make that work without having to sell assets, you know, because I, I don't think Ron Hextall is an interest in taking any prospects out of the pipeline or any picks. So that's kind of a, the kind of a deal you can make for a hockey trade. And maybe you toss in like a late rounder to, you know, make it whole. But um, I, I still think that's kind of the direction and the population that we're heading in. Yeah, what are you, what, um, because you mentioned Flurry there, what are your thoughts on the whole Flurry in Chicago situation, especially with how you know horrible things are going are happening in Chicago? But they're still trying to seemingly build 
uh, a feasible hockey team there with um, a hell of a contract for Jones and bringing in Tyler Johnson. What's the whole flurry in Chicago situation thing look like to you? I'm, I don't think he plays there personally. I just don't see a way to that. Um, you know, I, I feel bad. I, let's really t- take a second. And we all know like the, the trials and tribulations he went through in Pittsburgh, right? Like that's all well-documented. We know that there was a period of time where like Tomas Vokun, you know, had, you know, usurped the net. And that's not to say he wasn't without his issues there, you know, but if you go back like all the way to his gen, really his 17 year old year uh, in the world junior championships, you know, this stuff's kind of followed him everywhere he's gone. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, getting, you know, uh, the expansion draft, you know, sort of jettisoning him from Pittsburgh and, and before he wanted to go and you probably would have liked to have retired here and then the Vegas situation, even, even losing the starting net to Matt Murray, you know, it's just been like this really rough run of, uh, I don't want to say respect because I, I think he got treated with respect in Pittsburgh. You know, Mike Sullivan, I think, did a masterful job of handling a two-goalie situation and the way that that rotation broke down. And, you know, but that this to me was just unacceptable. Like, you know, he won the Vezina Trophy, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, and I understand his agent tweeted out, you know, some not-so-great stuff. And you can't, you know, that's not him. You know, you can't put that on Marc-Andre Fleury. But he won the Vezina Trophy. He's been an awesome humanitarian. He's one of the reasons that the launch of your franchise went as well as it did. Not just from mm-hmm. a performance perspective, right? But from like a sell tickets because people know who this is perspective. Yeah. For him to find out like that was just such a bummer to me, you know. He, and and Elliot Friedman, I thought, tweeted out something relatively interesting last night, and that the conversation with Chicago initially started July twelfth. Why don't you pick the phone up on July twelfth, right then, and say like, "Hey, uh, Mark, we're talking about this." Not saying it's going to happen, but we want to give you time to think about it and prepare, and I'll update you as we go. That's the right thing to do because then he gets two weeks to make a decision on what he wants to do instead of logging online and like, oh, found out on Twitter, you know. Like, <laughs> so that was a big that was a big time bummer to me. You know, I don't, I wouldn't, honest to goodness, blame anybody who didn't want to be in Chicago right now for any plethora of reasons. <laughs> Uh, you know, as far as what they've got going on and that ugliness. So um, for me, I think he'll either get a move forced, you know, one that's fair to all parties, or I think he'll ultimately retire, which would stink because he's so close, you know, to breaking. um, Actually, I I don't want to rule out him playing for Chicago. And I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that is a possibility. I just don't get the sense that I don't get the sense that Vegas has facilitated that happening based on how they've they've begun the relationship you know like it's unfortunate for Kyle that it's gone this this crappy it's not like they can call him and say like hey we're trading for you uh you know so i i I think that it just soured so badly right out of the gate uh that to me there's probably no end in sight there for for them at least as far as a, a healthy relationship i mean less than 10 wins away from career win number 500 the career that he has had coming straight off of a Vezina for it to end in that fashion would be, I wouldn't say horrible because it is technically his own terms of like, all right, you know what? I don't want to play. So I'm going to, I'm going to be done. But at the same time to just be traded away from someplace that you really like to being like, well, I don't want to play here. So I guess I'm forced to retire would be an awful way to end a hall of fame career. But definitely a lot of talk about 
goaltending for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But other than that, what areas do you think the Penguins need to address moving forward? They re-signed Evan Rodriguez on his birthday on the first day of free agency, as well as bringing back Dom Simone, as we alluded to a little bit earlier. But other than goaltender and those depth forward positions, do you think there's an area the Penguins need to really look at moving forward this offseason? They got to continue to fill the wing out. Um, mm. Zero question about that. Uh, I, I think that, and I'm not saying, you know, go out and swing for, you know, the fences here, but, you know, like a, you know, I think about a Grandlin, you know, like who got, obviously you know, has been picked up since, but names like that, that are going to be in that like two to three and a half range. That's mm-hmm. probably like your peak, I think, of what you're out there aiming for in a wing. And again, don't discount it coming through trade, right? I still mm-hmm. think that that's probably the most, the most likely end here. Um, but I, you know, again, beyond, I mean, Drew O'Connor is what he is, you know, as an energy guy. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what you're going to get out of Dominic Simone. I mean, it's why it's a two-way deal. You know, that's a, that's a big injury. And, you know, I don't know that he had enough to sacrifice, you know, in the agility and speed department. So you'll see what happens there. Evan Rodriguez, again, great depth, you know, but, but at the end of the day, for me, um, I just, I think you got to have a little bit more on the wing. You got to have more NHL reliable depth there. And even if that's just one body, uh, I think that that makes a monumental difference. Could a guy like uh, Pittsburgh boy Brandon Saad be uh, a person for that sort of situation? I don't think so. You know, to me, it's kind of like, again, it's it's not going to be something that would be super cost friendly to the Penguins. Uh, They'd have to, you know, there'd have to be a lot that would happen there from a money perspective. I think, too... This is the one this it's not even so much that it's it's more for me that I think Brandon Sod's looking for term. This might I mean conceivably be his last contract, right? Like could could be. Yeah. So I don't know if the Penguins are in a position where they're willing to give out term, considering, you know, Brandon Tanev's now gone because of term. Uh, you know, that was the exact reason they lost him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to me it's uh, you know, I, I think that rules them out just because he's probably looking for for a decent security blanket. And I'm just gonna ask it real quick. What are, like, so you've already kind of alluded to your thoughts on Dom Simone and everything. What do you have any more to expand on with uh, this return with his big return? No, I mean you know he, it's always been a situation where it is what it is. You know, like he doesn't score goals. You know, okay, like we get that. So it depend your feelings on Dom Simone ultimately depend on whether or not you are okay with him not scoring. Like that's what it comes down to. And I'm not here to tell you goal scoring is not important. That would be stupid. Goal scoring is what wins hockey games. It's necessary. It's literally required (laughs) for you to win. (laughs) Okay. But that being said, you're not as much in control of goal scoring as people probably think they are. Uh, Players get hot. Goalies get hot. Goalies get cold. Players get cold. The process that happens behind that the rate at which you can shoot the puck, the rate at which you can control the scoring chances, you can rely on that and hang your hat on And Sidney Crosby will tell you this. I'm not telling you anything Sidney Crosby himself would not say. You can hang your hat on that and be like, look, things may not be going my way right now, but I have a process behind me that is staunch, solid, and I feel great about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Dominic Simone gives you a bump on is your process. 
right? Like, however your feelings, you know, work for him, you know, one way or the other, it's tangibly proven that putting him in certain situations makes other players have more opportunities to score. Like, I live with that, you know? Like, cool. He may not put them in himself. He's probably going to whiff on an empty netter or two. It's, like, super frustrating. Be like, what the hell? I could have done that myself. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's like everybody has a role, right? You know, I, I if, if for me, you're giving Sidney Crosby two or three more chances a game, cool. Like, I'm fine with that. And I think that at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. And he's sort of become, you know, unfortunately, like this – centerpiece for this analytical argument that i don't even think should exist because counting things is not controversial right like that's not controversial to, to say like in x situation Sidney crosby has three more scoring chances what's hot about that take you know like ah so that's it for me I, to me it's just it's depth it's good depth it's necessary depth you know i like that they have the two-way insurance on it if you know things don't work out you yeah. know you can you know, they, they, that, that's a nice thing to lay your hat on from a cap perspective but to me, that's really what it comes down to. Shifting from the near future to a little bit further down the road, what can you tell us about the Penguins' second-round pick in Tristan Braz? Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm excited about him. Um, to kind of paint like a picture of the direction I think that he's heading in, coming out of, of Fargo, you know, he was good all year long. Um, probably, I think always is going to be a little bit more of a playmaker but you know it's one of those situations where he's got a good shot and you kind of sit there and say to yourself like man i really wish you'd use that a little bit more you know like mm -hmm. like there are these head turning moments where like where did that come from but it's not really what he predicates his game on he's more of a tempo uh controller for me and i, I think when he blossomed you know in the playoffs this year uh, in the ushl you know, it was really when he, I think he learned how to manipulate time and space. You know, you think about a guy like, and look, I'm not saying it's Sidney Crosby, just follow me for a second here, but like, you think about the way Sidney Crosby can like change the flow of a game, right? Mm -hmm. Slow time down and draw defenders in and manipulate them and force lanes to open up. He figured that part out in the playoffs and saying like, okay, if I, if I go full board in the offensive zone, woe up and then wait, this happens. Or if, if I, put my shoulder down and drive around this guy i have a lateral lane this way and it was almost like he, he was like i'm better than everybody else you know i'm better than everybody else and i'm gonna be the one that's gonna just you know be the conductor so it was great uh that was awesome um really 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 good in terms of keeping his head up and assessing the play never a head down skater like always just thinking one or two steps ahead 200 foot guy you'll find him yeah you know, i think it's just important you know given the style of game he plays, but uh, you'll find them everywhere on the ice. I love that Minnesota is, it's going to be a really good place for, for him to go and kind of, you know, set his roots down. And, um, you know, I, I, somebody asked me like, where does he slot in now? You know, like today uh, in the Penguins prospect org, mm. you know, I don't, that's a tough one to answer because he's so raw and so young, you know, but if he goes to Minnesota and has a good first year and puts up, decent numbers with the ice time he gets, I think you put him in the top 10. So, you know, Hey, that's pretty decent. And he put him in the close, maybe even in, you know, closer to the top five. So, I mean, for me, you know, bros is a good kid. I mean, he's a good 200 foot player that is a safe pick. Uh, maybe lacks like some of the pop that you have from like a top end prospect. Um, but I think is, is one that you could look at and be like, yeah, even in a bottom six role, you know, in a future state, like I, 
that's pretty i don't want to say reliable but you feel pretty good about it now a lot of was said about the penguins only having five picks and of those five picks three of them being in the seventh round but of those three seventh rounders which one do you think at this moment would have the best chance of making it to the nhl where they're at now I mean, I like Kirill Tankov the most. You know, mm-hmm. it's the most intriguing story, I think, in the draft is a lot of pro scouts think that he should have been picked last year, right, from a skills perspective. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's funny to watch him play in that he just doesn't care about the system at all in any way, shape, or form. He's playing on the left side. You'll find him over on the right. He'll take <laughs> the puck off a teammate. Like, he'll – take the puck behind his own net on the breakout and just not even look at anybody else. And when it works, you end up with this really dope YouTube highlight montage that you guys have probably seen. Like, and you think like, holy smokes. But then when it doesn't work, it's really bad. Um, And I'm not here to say like, he's a head case or he's stupid or he doesn't listen. That's just the nature, you know, that's it's cage. It's the second division of the cage. Right. Right. So it's like, it's like the Quebec major junior league on, you know, steroids in terms of, you know, cheating up ice and, stuff like it's not all that out of the ordinary you know but i don't know that he really want i don't know that he wants to come over you know i don't even know if he has that desire um you know he is a is a unique prospect to me though because there are just certain things you can't teach people to do right uh Mm. most of them he's got um i think that you know that's one that you're looking for a longer term probably return on investment um but it's going to be fun to watch what happens because I mean, it, you know, if you're going to look if to me anyway, if you have that many seventh rounders, don't try to go get, you know, Joe uh, Smith from Ontario, you know, you're checking, you're checking line, you know, OHL player that scored eight goals, go get this guy, you know, swing for the fences, you know, like make it work. You know, like that's, that's what I love to see is that, the level of sort of like uh, we're going to take a chance on this. That's awesome. I loved every, every ounce of it. And I'm looking forward to putting together more of those ridiculous montages later in the future. How would you grade the Penguins draft as a whole? I know it was kind of hard whenever it three seventh rounders, but you know, overall with the, what we had, what do you think it was? I can't, I guess if you were to grade it outside the scope of, well, I see. I think it's a C only because I don't, you know, Tankov was, was, you know, a fun one. Bros is a safe, like I said, a safe pick, but lacks pop. Um, I just don't, I don't know that they, they really did anything that made you go like, Oh, whoa, you know, like I can't believe that happened. They got good value in some spots, you know, like they drafted some guys ahead of where they were ranked, but just by nature of the limited number of picks they had, I think it's tough to give them anything more than that. You know, it was just sort mm-hmm. of like they went in, did it, did a good, decent bit of business and then left. So maybe like B minus at that perspective, like C plus, but it's just, they're handcuffed by circumstance really more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. That's kind of, that's really what hurt and why I was hoping to get an opinion on. But aside from the obvious pool and Lagare and the ones we just mentioned, who are some of the other key prospects that, uh, fans should really keep an eye keep an eye on in the system and when do you think some of these guys will reach the nhl if it's in the near future yeah valtteri pustinen is really the big one he's kind of like a little bit of an enigma you know um uh 
insanely talented. You know, I was, what I was saying earlier about Philip Hollander not really needing to make an adjustment to North American ice because he doesn't necessarily utilize the extra space. Pustinen does, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if you have a player, you know, we hear this word perimeter, and I think sometimes it's like, it's got this like bad, you know, um, connotation to it, if you will, right? But I like that he uses the space well. It's productive, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it you know, that's, you want him to take it wide on a guy when he has the opportunity. You want him to use his hands when he has the opportunity. I just think that with less space for him, it's going to force more physical engagement, which really isn't necessarily his strength. Um, you know, I, I guess people have referred to him as like people would say like, well, he's like the poor man's Phil Kessel. That's kind of true, right? Like that that's what his game is about, is about his shot. And you can't mm-hmm. teach people to shoot like that and dangle like that. Um, but I think there's other areas that could probably be rounded out a little bit more. I think the fact that, you know, he hasn't really gotten a lot of experience in, in some of the larger stages, you know, we'll see how it goes when he goes to the pro game. Um, but it's fun. I mean, again, like something to keep an eye on that's going to be fun to watch. He's going to go to the AHL next year. Um, and we get to watch how that translation occurs. So it's definitely one for me to keep an eye on. Is there anyone, you got a small sample on anyone else? Um, I, this one is a little bit less sexy and I'll be honest with you. Like I, I, <laughs> like, I don't, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if anybody like kind of shot, like scoffed at this or, or whatever, but, um, I like Rivas Anson's and he's going to go pro too. Um, he was just really like in a, in a really crappy situation. Um, you know, uh, by the way, that's the 2025th, uh, rounder, 149th overall that, played with Nathan Legary. Um, that's how the Penguins, I think, you know, pretty had so much familiarity with him with his time in, in Bicomo and playing with Legary. But, you know, Legary gets traded to Valdor. Um, you know, he plays, you know, essentially, an, again, what is really just an awful team. Um, didn't really have, like, the best stats out of the queue this year, but went to Zemgal uh, in Latvia and played on loan there and played at almost a point per game average in their highest division. Mm-hmm. So Latvia, right? Like, let's chill out. That's where he's from, you know, like, <laughs> it's like but like, that's a good sign. Like you, yeah. you like that, like, that's a good mm-hmm. sign. So he's huge, right? Like he's just a big player, six uh, one, like, um, like probably buck 95 now. Uh, not a bad skater though. Not a player that like, you know, you look at and say that he's out of place. I think he, there's look at the end of the day there's not this isn't a player you're going to put in the top six ever right but this is a player who i think slots in perfectly with teddy bluger who slots in perfectly in that that what the penguins have built for their bottom six he's great for it super good defensively physical good for checker limited offensive skill there's a place for that on this team and and i you know i'm excited to see what happens with his pro debut this year as well I mean, that ex- explanation that you just gave kind of just reminds me of where Redeem Zahorna is now. Do you think he's going to be a fixture in the lineup this year, or do you think that there's still more room for him to grow before he can become a regular? He's probably a player that I don't think has a lot left to take away from like an extended drink of water in the American Hockey League. So, mm-hmm. um, but I also don't know that he's a player that the Penguins see a lot of use for outside of spot time. So mm-hmm. you, you're in that tweener stage, you know, yeah. where like you're almost a quad A guy. Um, that's kind of where he is right now. So I would probably expect him to get time once it opens up from the inevitable injury crisis that will occur as it does every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, 
I, uh, I, and I do like Zahorn as a player, right? But I just think, again, you know, that's, that's more of like a, um, you're limited to like a bottom six type of a deployment with that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we couldn't let you go without asking you a quick uh, off the wall question here. So the Southside Burger King made news again the other night. And uh, with, with the workers walking out, I just wanted to have you retell the story, the long history, if we if you can, of the Southside Burger King, for those who may not know, because it's a legendary pix- Pittsburgh fixture of the nightlife. Yeah, and it turns out, like, I came to find out well after the fact, that sometime around the beginning of the pandemic initially, that the guys from Piper's kept the signage. So the fake Burger King signage that was hanging up on the side of the building during that time has actually been preserved. So there's a really vital piece of Pittsburgh history that is going to live on forever, courtesy of the work of the guys from Piper's. Um, That's actually, Piper's is actually, I think most people's, how I found out about its story when it comes to Southside Burger King. And I specifically use that name because that was the title of the restaurant, Southside Burger King. Um, Basically, it was a Burger King that lost its franchise. But the people there continued to operate as if it was a Burger King. Like, (laughs) they didn't let you know that they were no longer officially a Burger King. So, like, none of the stuff they were selling was from Burger King. And what happened was one day I got – I had too many beers at Piper's, and I go to do what I usually do, which is go to Burger King afterwards. You help soak up some of the brews, you know, get yourself Mm -hmm. a nice little Mm -hmm. thing. And I remember going in, and I had a, a regular paper bag. There wasn't like a logo on it. There was nothing on it. And it was like the fries were different. There was like no napkins or utensils. And then like a week or two later, I found out that like they had been going to the Giant Eagle on the south side, (laughs) buying like regular fries and meats at the Giant Eagle, bringing them back over there. And when they ran out of paper bags, that became a big problem. They started to hand out food in like other bags from like CVS and stuff. People caught on. Um, and then it eventually somehow or another became a franchise again, like right after that, it went back to being a Burger King shortly thereafter. But like, I always say to people, like, you have to know what you're getting into or like what kind of state, and I look, I'm wearing this cause I did it all the time, but you have to have some kind of understanding of what kind of state your life is in. If you're going to that Burger King, you know what I mean? Like to, to initially step foot in there, even before it became a mysterious non-franchise business, you were doing like you were your life was in a in a state <laughs> you know it was probably a weird hour you're probably intoxicated like so most people i think just didn't even know you know because it was just uh they weren't you know for them it was just sort of that was they were they were already out to lunch you know <laughs> it's even before the whole story of it it's just the wildest burger king you could ever see the drive throughs under a tunnel a tunnel, oh, a tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, the tunnel wildest drive I've ever seen, yeah. and it's just an extension of the rest of the building. Here's basically. the thing, too, Nick. That tunnel is is ne- e- e- even in the the midst of a summer month where it hasn't rained in 45 days. That tunnel's leaking something. There's something coming out of there. Where's that liquid coming from? I don't know. It hasn't rained in a month. Exactly. Somewhere there's a, a runoff, perhaps <laughs> natural spring of some sorts. I don't know, but it's still a lot. Keep your windows up. You have to keep your windows up when you go through. Yeah. <laughs> and you roll the window down to hand your card and then put your window back up because you're getting splashed every time you're getting splashed that's the exhaust from the building they just actually just like funnel it through and just let it mist down on our customers that's what that's what what's gonna work hey it made the fries taste better so <laughs> Fine with me. fair enough uh well thank you so much jesse for giving us your time especially on probably one of the busiest days of the year uh for you especially being free agent day but is there anything coming out 
for the athletic that our listeners should be looking out for from you? Uh, yeah, I did take some time to take um, a lot of that video, Tristan Bros, and put it together so that we can uh, so sort of experience some of that maturation of the playoffs that I was talking about. So that should be out soon. I'm still piecing that video together, but uh, we'll be uh, breaking down some of those picks in a little bit more in depth. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. And uh, hopefully we get you on during the season for your third appearance here. And hopefully we can watch some Philip Hollander highlights in the black and gold. Love it. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, my name, Nick Berlansky, joined by Nick Horowat. Thank you again to Jesse Marshall for joining the show. Always a pleasure having our fellow Point Park pioneer come on and talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins as well as weird food places around the city of Pittsburgh, which is how we've ended both interviews thus far. Gotta do what you gotta do, and it's always fun talking with him. He makes us feel smarter every day, I think. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I'm sure he, his, he's not making me feel smarter. He, you know what I mean. He listening to him smarter. makes me feel like I'm learning. Yes, I feel like I'm learning something every time. Yeah. And fun stuff all around. Always a good time. He knows what he's talking about. He's always giving us hope. He, I tweeted at him during the draft. said, just give me a reason to be excited about this because genuinely being a Penguins fan, the draft day is not an exciting day mm-hmm. usually. I mean, you miss the first round entirely, and then you go in late second round, and then you're off for 100 picks. And, you know, the fact that he said um, the Penguins had opportunities to get uh, a first-round caliber player was good. So it was something to be excited about. He's That's the kind of guy he does. He helps you be excited about things, and it helped. And now I'm excited about our prospects. For once. Yeah, we had a lot of prospect talk, and I really enjoy doing that, especially when there's such a bare cabinet. It's nice to talk about the ones that are there and the people that we should be excited for and not just looking at it as a barren wasteland of prospect pool. But let's get into our shout-outs and call-outs, shall we? I'd like to start off with my shout-out because it is just something that made me smile a lot over the draft weekend, and my shout-out goes to second overall pick, Matty Beneers of the University of Michigan. He was drafted by the Seattle Kraken, the very first pick ever in the Seattle Kraken organization. But when they went to give him the draft call, this is what happened. Well, for one, Shout out to the guy that said, this is what happens when he calls me too. Correct. <laughs> but second of all, shout out to Maddie Beneers. I'm sure that was probably obviously an accident, but I mean, come on. Ghosting your f- brand new general manager. That's a power move right there. He's already starting the contract negotiations for four years down the road. It is. It's great. He, d- d- hey, you don't recognize the number in an age of spam callers. I- I'd probably do the same thing <laughs> just on accident, uh, except if I'm expecting a call, I do answer every call that comes through. Speaking of answering the call, should I say this tweet that you yeah. are probably reading as well? Of course, go uh, for it. That's a decent one uh, because we have breaking news in the middle of our shout-outs and call-outs. Uh, the Penguins have made, a, have made a signing. It is Brock McGinn. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I don't know any contract details. That was the whole tweet. The yeah. Penguins have signed Brock McGinn. Pierre Thank LeBron. you, Peter Lebron. Yeah, Keep Pierre it short, LeBron sweet, to the point. With this. Uh, I'm trying to pull up some of his his stats and everything like that. The first thing that comes to mind when thinking 
of Brock McGinn is the double overtime goal that he scored against the Washington Capitals a couple years ago. And clearly, that's a good it's a good memory good to start. have of a brand new Pittsburgh Penguin. When you talk about filling out the Penguins' bottom six, Brock McGinn's he he's a name, and and honestly, it's a name that hasn't come up on many people's radars. Last year, eight goals, thirteen points in thirty-seven games with the Carolina Hurricanes, but he's played a lot of hockey over the last couple of seasons. He played eighty-two games in 2018-19, 80 games in twenty seventeen eighteen. And he was up around the 30-point mark in both of those years. So he is a fourth liner at heart. And I'm sure once the number comes out, which you guys will know this listening, it's probably not going to be for too, too much money. A pure left winger, it's something that is going to help the Penguins' depth and is probably going to be someone who's slotted higher than the two guys we mentioned earlier in the episode in Dominic Simone and Evan Rodriguez. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely a higher... um signing than that not that those two aren't bad players or anything of that nature just uh you know your depth chart you kind of as fans we know where other players stand Mm -hmm. amongst one another uh so that's fun glad we got that in on here yeah Uh, i'm sure there'll be more to talk about as the time in the week go on Mm -hmm. but uh we have to get back to a segment (laughs) yeah no uh, and just to to close out before i let you have your shout out just uh again maddie beneers i don't know if we got Lost in the sauce there with the Penguins signing, but 2021 World Juniors gold medalist. One of the five, was it five or four out of five picks from Michigan in the top 10. So congratulations to him. I'm sure, I mean, it's draft day. You know you're going in the top 10. Your phone rings. You're not worried about it being spam. I'm sure he probably just got excited and accidentally hit the red button. But either way, it, it, it created some premium content for the Seattle Kraken twitter page it was fun maybe like sometimes your phone calls just don't go through Mm -hmm. things happen maybe he just wasn't a good reception at the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's all fun stuff and uh, it was good they uh, that video is honestly really cool yeah i loved it Um, yeah but moving on to uh, my shout out and i we've discussed it before but not at length and i don't know much about it other than it seems like a professional beer league i'm shouting out the beauty league because those clips are so fun every time I see them. Um, it really is just – it just looks like a professional beer league. It's mm-hmm. all almost all NHL players during the summer having a three-on-three games where they're doing stuff you want them to do in real games, but yeah, it's, it's so impressive. I know uh, Jake Gensel's been there a couple seasons now. Jason Zucker was just there this past year and is – think of regular nick butestad was there for those curious good to see him skating <laughs> um it's fun stuff and it's all for a good cause too is it not yeah it, it's all used for a good cause the beauty league and you mentioned it's it's a beer league it is because the trophy is a keg so <laughs> nice that's i didn't realize but yeah it, it's, it's some fun four on four where it's local minnesota nhl players some college hockey players and it's something that is like you said, for a very good cause, and it, it grows the game in the state of Minnesota, the state of hockey, if you will. And it's something that I, I caught on to last year during uh, during the pandemic, and I really enjoyed. And a lot of people did because that was kind of the first hockey in a long time. But it, it, it was really fun, and it's always really fun looking at some of the highlights there. Yeah, like I just clicked on their website. Uh, they have John Scott as like the main – I think that's the Twitter logo. He's John Scott's the logo. Yeah, his All Star celebration. I didn't realize that. 
Um, just and then like in the picture they have uh, on like their home screen uh, is uh, there's Jake Gensel. I that's Ryan McDonough. Yes, mm-hmm. I can't yeah. remember his name. Not Dustin Bufflin, uh, Paul Martin, fully bearded Paul Martin. <laughs> it's so much fun to see these guys, uh, and it, because this what makes sports so cool these days is that you know your heated rivals on the ice, and then. You know, then you do things like this, where your best friends just doing what you love and playing hockey, uh, you know, with each other. Mm-hmm. And to update again from Pierre LeBrun, the Brock McGinn deal is a four-year deal for two point seven five million dollars. So you basically, we'll see what he does for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't want to say he's a Brandon Tanev replacement, but he is a bottom six player that has four years left on a deal and he's $750,000 cheaper than Brandon Tanev, basically. And I don't hate it. No, I don't hate that. Actually. We'll see what he can do. I I feel like he probably brings a tad more offense than Brandon Tanev did, Mm -hmm. but probably not a lot more. Like if it's anything, it's a very nominal amount more. Yeah. And it's still well worth it. 27 is young. Uh, I mean, his J Fresh hockey card. It's a bunch of upswinging, uh, what's it called? Charts. So that's good. What's it I don't know anything about the numbers, but those uh, those diagrams look good. So yeah, it, it's obviously catching us off guard. We're gonna have to do a little bit more digging because neither of us are Brock McGinn experts. But if you look at the base, he is also two years younger than Brandon Tanev was. So the legs, you would imagine, probably not gonna fall off. I'm sure he doesn't play as hard as Brandon Tanev do- does. So he's probably a little less susceptible to injury, but we'll obviously take a little bit more of a look on that once we get off of this episode. But as of right now, it seems as if it is basically a replacement for him. Yeah. So I mean, and I mean, and you also mentioned the the Grubauer thing. He did just sign, which I cannot believe he signed in, in Seattle. So all right, so Seattle's doing their thing. Uh, yeah, but anyway, free agent stuff is happening, everyone. We're a little off topic. We're a little off, all over the board. Yeah, This is the fun times. If anybody saw us when Jeff Carter got traded, you know how it gets. Yeah, but it, it at way. least with Jeff Carter, we had a track record of knowing what, what he type of a player he was. Like I said, the only thing I know about Brock McGinn is he scored that huge goal in double overtime against the Caps in 2018 or 2019. He's a name I've heard quite often, though. So it's, to yeah. be fair, he's a name you hear when he plays, you hear his name. So that's solid. Yeah, he's definitely an NHL regular, and that's for sure. Let's move over to callouts. Uh, Horwat, I'll let you start us off. All right, so today, the, today slash tomorrow, the day this episode drops, um, Thursday, July 29th, is National Chicken Wing Day, which should be canceled this year because uh, of the, there is a chicken wing shortage, and I am in a crisis over this. I can't go to the store and find good wings to make it home. I have to buy crappy ones. Uh, chicken prices at restaurants including the big national brands are up they're rising the sports bar close to where i live um has a handwritten sign on the door that says our chicken wing prices because of the shortage are at market value so wings are expensive right now um and it sucks it sucks i don't know exactly what i'm calling out i think just the chicken wing shortage as a whole uh covet has brought upon a ton of shortages i don't know if this one is actually caused by uh, the coronavirus, but it sucks. I'm, I, I went out to 
uh, Quaker Steak and Lube the other day, and they had a little note in their menu that said, uh, ask your server about wing prices because of market value. And I'm like, this is ridiculous that even the national brands are like this. Uh, but, yeah, and honestly, if, if, uh, if a wing or if a chicken piece... You know, part if a part of the chicken was gonna be at a shortage, it was gonna be the wing because, you know, you get two of everything else in a chicken, but you get four wings, and you get packs of twelve. That's a whole three chickens, man. That's a whole three chickens in a twelve pack. I can so tell you're really phased by this. I am. You're literally analyzing crisis. the chicken wing shortage. I am analyzing the chicken wing shortage more than I am free agents right now. I'm in a crisis. Man, wow. I, I knew you liked chicken wings. I didn't know that your desire and your love was this deep. I, I should send like a care package to you. I, I don't I don't know if you're all right, man. I, we might have to talk after this and just make sure you're in the right <laughs> mental state to move on. Uh, I, sh I should be okay. Uh, I, I, I did get my Arizona ranch wings at Quaker Steak and Lube anyway. I paid the overpriced, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's... You know, it's not that big of a deal. It'll come back. There are more chickens on the planet than there are humans, so... Are there? Things aren't... There, yes, by a wide margin, I think, okay. too. I, I, again, um, you're, you're the expert on chickens. <laughs> apparently. Um, yeah, no, just... I just thought this would be a fun little topic of conversation, too, despite it sucking and chicken wing prices being high. You know, but we, put a, the, uh, we, we put a little thumbnail on all of our YouTube things i think i might just use a picture of a chicken wing for this one now hell yeah <laughs> uh but uh here blancy uh flats or drums ah see that's a difficult decision i'll eat both of them mainly because i love chicken wings so i don't have yes. an issue growing up i always loved the drums just because there's more meat on it obviously you had the bigger pieces of meat but now yeah. that i'm a refined gentleman i know that the flats are, are definitely much better they're more fun they're more yes yeah and and they're I think you can get more crunchy skin, mm -hmm. and that's the part that I really like, obviously. But either way, I'm I'm gonna eat. I'll I'll eat two dozen wings. I I want to go back for a red beard's wing night and just sit there. I was about to say, are we gonna are we gonna talk about our all you can eat wing nights with in, back in college? Yeah, the one right before we graduated, where we totaled I think it was like 300 wings. So it might be a, the the shortage might be delayed from how many wing nights we had in college. Yeah, we might be the cause of that. <laughs> um, and then also, what more? Are you a hot wing or a barbecue-ish style wing see yeah. i like both but i'm gonna prefer hot wings i like right. burning my mouth off okay I'm, I'm definitely i think if i'm sitting down and eating a lot i'm more of a barbecue or like what they do at red beards you can change the flavors which is really nice yeah um but if i'm just sitting down for a quick six i'll do the hot wings for arizona ranch is not that hot so i like that one just as a full mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, that's those are my thoughts on everything. Hopefully, uh, chicken wings get back to normal soon. Yeah, for anybody that is in downtown Pittsburgh or is planning to go on downtown Pittsburgh, Redbeard's Signature Sauce is also a very good wing sauce. So definitely go check out that. Redbeard's is on 6th, and I'm not just saying that because I used to work there, but because they do have very good wings. Whenever they, they have do. But They uh, do, yeah. We'll close it out with my call-out because we also already talked about this in this episode. I'm once again calling out the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, hey the way that they handled that quote-unquote business decision with Marc-Andre Fleury was very messed up. They did that in the worst possible way. And that's not the first one. Like you mentioned, there have been multiple issues. Nate Schmidt last season, Gerard Gallant in 2020 being fired in favor 
of Peter DeBoer. So they're starting to get a reputation. And you look at the dichotomy between how Vegas has handled some of these personnel decisions, even when they're, I mean, they're in a cap situation. I get that. But some of the ways they've handled that situation versus how the Pittsburgh Penguins have handled most of theirs, they've the Penguins have only bought out one player in the Mario Lemieux era as owner, and that's Jack Johnson. That's, what, almost 20 years buying out only one player? There have been some bad contracts, but only one buyout, and that's one thing. The second thing, you look at the way that Penguins handled Marc-Andre Fleury. They talked to him in, what, February of that year and gave him a heads up that says, hey— we're going to have to move on from you at the end of the season. We might try to trade you, but more than likely, you're going to end up in Vegas. They sat him down, had that conversation with him. I get that that can't always happen. But for a guy that clearly Marc-Andre Fleury meant a lot to the city of Pittsburgh, I would think he should mean just as much to the city of Vegas. He might not have been there for 15 seasons, but the four seasons that he was there, as we've all mentioned, face of the franchise, Vesno winner, He's the guy that put butts in seats. He's the guy that sold a lot of jerseys for that organization. He's the guy that made that organization a babyface around the league in most markets. And maybe this had to happen. Maybe Vegas had to make the heel turn. That way, Seattle can come in and be the expansion babyface and gain traction in the league. <laughs> the expansion babyface. Um, yeah, it's just the way they handle it that irks me. Again, I, we get, we understand it's a business. Not, not every oh, yeah. player is gonna stick around forever. We've been blessed to have Crosby forever. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what the situation with Latang or Malkin might end up being? Let's be honest. That, let's be honest. Just the way the business of the of the NHL is, those two might play for a different team someday. Let's just put it bluntly. I, it's doubtful. It is doubtful, but it's possible. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the, the same applies to Vegas. It's just the way it was handled that um, made me mad and upset me. That a he had to find out through Twitter. B sure you sure you had conversations with him about it. I'm sure you did. But still, when it finally happens, he should be the first one to know. He should be the first one aware of it, regardless of it was a trade that he would have allowed anyway. Now. Again, it being Chicago and that situation, he's got the ability to kind of not report and do what he wants to do. It sucks that, and it sucks that his only option might be retirement. That's, it's. I don't find that as going out on your own terms, though. I don't. Really? That's not you. I. It's yeah. It's you saying I'm just going to retire. It's kind of forced to retire. It's a forced. It's a forcing yeah. you to make that decision. It's hey. We're telling you, you either play for this team you don't want to play for, or you retire. Yeah, I guess that's more and of you an ultimate decision. Yeah, so. like you're either going to play for us or you're going to retire. I mean, I'm I'm not sure that's the ultimatum because Chicago might be willing to trade him. They might to not just. I mean, it's not like they gave anything up. That's the problem because they didn't give anything up. They don't have really any stakes if he just says I'm retiring and his cap is gone. And I, yeah, because I believe Vegas wouldn't or. Uh, Chicago wouldn't even pay anything toward that. I'm not sure what the cap recapture is. There's so much salary cap stuff that I've looked at the last couple of days that I, my brain has just turned to mush. I think Chicago wouldn't be on the book for any of it. Mm. I don't know. I forget how it would all work out. I don't know if maybe it just gets retroactive back to Vegas. I'm not sure. We'll, we, I don't know how it works. So we'll All to, I know is if he retires, Pittsburgh doesn't have to pay it. 
Yeah. We didn't sign that deal. That's very true. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We hope you enjoyed everything that we had to offer in this episode. Obviously, very news heavy. Obviously, we're a little scattered because of when we're recording this and the news coming in as we're recording this. But it was a fun episode. We'll have more to talk about on Monday. We're going to get into the Brock McGinn signing at full length there because we're going to have a couple of days to look into it, look into Brock McGinn as a player. And by that point, we might even have some more moves. There might be a, a goaltender in Pittsburgh. We have no idea. But for right now, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one, Pence fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.